Hello, I'm Father Fred Caldwell, a Catholic priest in McKinney, Texas. And my name is George. I've been studying the Bible and religion all my life. Together, we'll be taking a new and often unexpected look at all things spiritual. And our podcast is named Soul Survivors. Good morning, Father Fred. Good morning. How are you this morning, George? I'm doing good. So I understand today we're going to be covering Noah through Abraham? Noah to Abraham. What's going to be a trip from one big guy to another big guy. First of all, for those of you out there, if you're coming across our podcast for the first time, don't start with this episode. Go to the first episode because each one builds on the previous one. You need the first one to read the second. You need the second before you read the third. Today, we're going to be moving from a time before the faith of the Israelites. And we're going to now, in real time, we're going to find towns that really exist on our maps. Why don't you get your Bible ready with a pencil and a paper and, and write down any scripture that might interest you. Let's begin by reviewing a few things. We found two stories of creation, two stories of the flood. And now as we finish the flood, let's see if we might find two stories of the Abrahamic covenant. Today, we're going to take one more step also toward those two sources, the north and the south, those writers. Plus, we're going to look at a redactor. Now, a redactor is the same thing as an editor. Whenever these stories came together, they gathered them all up. They were short stories. And the person that wanted to put them together didn't want just a list of short stories. So he decided to put in some way to go, for instance, from Adam to Noah. And what he did was he brings up a genealogy that starts out with Adam and goes down through different people until it gets to the end, and the end will say Noah. In chapter 1 to 4, we went through the first biggie of the Old Testament, Adam. Now we're going through the second one, Noah. Finally, then we will get into the third big guy from the Old Testament, which is Abraham. We've already got Noah off the boat with his family. Now we'll see what they do after the flood. But first of all, let's review a few points. If you remember, first, there are two different writers, the north and the south. They're both in Israel. We can recognize them by certain characteristics. In the north, it always uses the name of God for the supreme being. And there's a whole lot of details. The north also, we have any time there's a mention of water, it's in abundance. Another characteristic this power is distant. It's all-powerful. It's in control of everything. And it has a lot of uh, facts and data. In the South, we have Yahweh as the, the name of the Supreme Being. And his traits are he is very human. He talks with people. He walks with people. And his name will be either Yahweh or Lord. When we talk about water with him, the water is going to be scarce. It's not going to be there because in the south they lived in the desert. Yahweh is also interested in sacrifices because the only place they could sacrifice was in Jerusalem, which is in the south. And the fifth characteristic would be that it's kind of like a storyteller. It goes on and on. It'll be the one, chapter one will be the northern priest, and all he does is give give facts. He builds this, he, he creates earth, he creates heaven, he creates this. And it's, it's not a story, uh, just a list of things that the priest is telling us. But in the second version, it's a story. Adam walks with God. He talks with God. God takes him and forms him in his own hands. In chapter 1, all God said was, 
let there be man and woman, male and female, at the same time. And that was it. But in chapter 2 with Yahweh, God is much more close down to the people. He takes dust, and in his own hands, he molds the man. They don't just mold him. After he molds him, then he takes him and gives him a name, names him Adam, and then he even walks with him and talks with him. Hey, Father Fred, before we go on, I have a question. Okay. How do you know it's a priest that has written these things down for the Northern Kingdom? Okay. It ha it's somebody that is going to be a giver of laws. He's somebody that speaks for God. He has God to speak in the first chapter where he makes man and woman and he everything all he does is speak and he, he shows the power of God and he's speaking for God. In uh, the flood, it's the same thing. He's telling people what needs to be done. He tells them how to make the, the ark. He puts in all these details. He says, make it 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. He tells them where to put the windows, where to put the doors, and everything about it. He's interested in details, and he's speaking for God, and we're going to have him doing the same thing when we get to uh, Abraham. Any ideas on who this priest was? Yes, they believe that the priest is probably a Levitical priest from the north, and the, about the only Le Levitical priest we had up there uh, was Abiathar. All of the Levitical priests were killed except one. He escaped. And it's believed that he is the one that writes the part for the priest from the north. So a Jewish king, somewhere along the line, decided they needed to get rid of the northern priest because they didn't support him. That's right. And since he's the only one, it's believed that he's, he was the priest that did the writing. And it's going to be, we're going to see the priestly writings also if we get Abraham today. Okay. Let's begin in turning your Bibles to chapter 9 in Genesis. And we're going to be reading from chapter 9. We'll start with verse 1. It says, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fertile and multiply and fill the earth. The first word is very important. It's God. Is this writer from the north or from the south, do you think, George? North. Okay. Yeah, if he were from the south, he would have said Yahweh or Lord. So this first writings, first thing we're going to read is going to be from the northern kingdom. And God is going to be in control here of everything. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fertile and multiply and fill the earth. He's got two commands there. Be fertile and multiply is one. And fill the earth is the second one. He wants both of those to be carried out. Then he says, Fear and dread of you shall come upon all the animals of the earth and all the birds of the air upon all the creatures that move about the ground and all the fishes of the sea into your power they are delivered now i don't believe that the writer here realized that there was going to be gorillas and leopards and tigers that uh, are not going to be afraid of you verse 3 says any living creature that moves about shall be yours to eat i give them all to you as i did the green plants he's enlarging their diet. He's going to give them any creature that moves. But there is a catch on it. He says, only meat with its lifeblood still in it shall you 
not eat. Now, that's a negative way of saying it. The affirmative way would be, do not eat the blood of animals, because blood for them represented life. If they had any meat that they were going to eat, they had to drain the, the blood from it first. Father Fred, I have a question. Okay. So back in Noah, they said bring clean and unclean animals. And the clean animals were ones they could eat, and unclean animals were ones they could not eat, such as the pig. Here it says you shall eat all the animals. When did that dietary restriction come into play? I'm not sure it came into play. I think this writer was a different writer than it was in the first time we read about the food. Might be anyway. But people changed their minds, too, as they were, they were writing these things. Remember, this is not God talking. This is a man that's writing down these things. And one man could be thinking differently than another. But it says in verse 5, Indeed, for your own lifeblood, I will demand an accounting from every animal. I will demand it, from just from, even from the animals. If you kill an animal and eat it while the blood's still in it, I will demand it, and from a human being also, each one for the blood of another, I will demand an accounting for human life, but also for animal life. So these people could not eat any animal without draining the blood. Verse 6 says, Anyone who sheds the blood of a human being, by a human being shall that one's blood be spent also because we are made in the image of god and we are to be fertile and multiply and spread out all over the earth and subdue it now that's going to be important pretty soon because we're going to find out what happens when people do not spread out all over the world verse 9 says see i'm establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you now you might wonder what a covenant is george what would you say is the difference would be a, between a covenant and a contract. Well, I know a contract is made between two parties. They have legal obligations. One party has to do X, Y, Z. The other party has to do A, B, C. And there has to be consideration. And both parties have to be competent enough to enter a contract. So I don't know the difference between a covenant and a contract, except with contracts, each party has an obligation. And if they fail to meet those obligations, it voids the contract. Okay. And I think also, a lot of times, I think when we're talking about a covenant, it's an agreement between a higher power with a lower power, God and with his people. And we read in verse 9 again, See, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants with you. And that's not all. Look at verse 10. And with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the tame animals, and all the wild animals, that were with you, all that came out of the ark. So God is not establishing a covenant just with people. He's establishing a covenant with everything that lives on this earth. He's going to protect the animals. You cannot eat an animal unless you drain the blood. And then we read, I will establish my covenant again, my covenant with you, that never again shall creatures be destroyed by the waters of a flood. There shall not be another flood to devastate the earth. Whenever we're reading about the scriptures that is inspired, the inspiration here is that God made everything and it was good. We messed it up and it came out some bad things for us. But there's always hope now because he will never send this again. And now this is just kind of like the first creation. We're going to start populating the world all over again. And God said, 
This is the sign of the covenant that I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you for all ages to come. And again, this is not just a covenant with people. This is a covenant even with the animals. And here's his covenant. Verse 13. I set my bow in the clouds to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and, look at here, not between me and man, not between me and humanity, between me and the earth. That means even our earth that we need to protect. When I bring clouds, this is verse 14, when I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and listen to this, every living creature, every mortal being, so that the waters will never again become a flood to destroy every mortal being. When the bow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature, every mortal being that is on earth. Now, as you, you, as you listen to this, this is from the north. God is out there giving all the instructions. There's not a second opinion. If it's from God in the north, it's going to be, this is what it is, and it's not going to be any, any changes to it. And the last thing in the northern part, God told Noah, this is the sign of my covenant. I have established between me and every mortal being that is on earth. So we've got that covenant now. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Noah. He's going to come into the scene. Father Fred, before we get into Noah, I noticed that God says, here's the covenant. I'm not going to destroy anything on the earth again with the flood. God does not ask the earth or man to do anything in return. He just says, this is what I'm going to do. In this case, the covenant is strictly God saying what he's going to do. And there's nothing on man's end that he has to do in order for God to keep his promise. Is that correct? Is that kind of what a covenant is? That's correct. And you notice it's all God doing. This is from the north. This is God that is in control of everything. God is the one that's making the covenant. God is the one that's going to keep the covenant. The covenant is put here by God, and God is the one responsible, and God's the one that's going to carry it out. Anything else? On well, are there some covenants where the man has to do something? Or is covenants all God doing something and man doesn't have to do anything? Yeah, so in some places it will say, you keep my covenant or this will happen to you or this will happen to you. The writer here in, in this priestly writing, he is stating that uh, the covenant is all up to God himself. He's the one that's going to keep it. And each one of these writers will have different uh, versions and different ideas. Now, verse 18, we've got a new guy and a new family coming on the scene. 18 says... The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And here's something strange. Ham was the father of Canaan. Now, Shem had children. Ham had children. Japheth had children. Ham had more children. Why are we hearing just about Canaan? That's the first time. And, we're, and Canaan is going to be a play an important part in this plan of God. And then he says, these are the sons of Noah and from them, the whole earth was populated. So this is going to be just like back to the original with Adam and Eve. From these people, the whole earth is going to be populated. Verse 20 says, Now Noah, a man of the soil, was the first to plant a vineyard. wonder why it says the man of the soil. He's probably going to be a farmer. He's made out of dirt, just like we are. 
That's why at our Ash Wednesday, we say, as we put ashes on people's head, from dust you have come, and to dust you shall return. Now, there's an important part here. He plants a vineyard. Now, we know what comes out of a vineyard. This is verse 21. He drank some of the wine. He became drunk and naked inside his tent. You know, Noah was the only good person. So why is Noah, if he's the only good person that gets to be on the ark as the father, why is it that he's drinking wine and he gets drunk and he takes off all of his clothes? But if Noah was the first man to plant a vineyard, was he the first man to get drunk? He was the first man to get drunk. And that's why they said that it was not really a bad sin. If we'd look at that, we'd think that the, the villain here or the crook here is Noah because he's drunk and he's lying naked in his tent. Now, if we see that out in the street today, we will say that's a bad guy. But for this writer from the South does not see Noah as doing something bad because he was not supposed to know the effects of wine because this is the first time anybody has ever drunk it. So how do we know that this writer is from the South? Because it's telling a, a story, and it's not got a lot of details in it, story as it, as it flows. When we read this, just like with Adam and Eve, their story, that was from the South, because in the South they just tell the story. More than likely, from the North, they're going to be putting in details, such as in, in that first chapter, First day, second day, third day, he's got those details. In the making of the ark, he tells them all the steps to make the ark, the writer from the north. The writer from the south is just a freelance storyteller. And that's what we have here. Here's something that is, should get our attention. Verse 22 says, Ham, the father of Canaan, now that's the twice that we've heard, Ham, the father of Canaan. There's some connection between Ham and Canaan that this writer wants us to know about. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness, and he told his two brothers outside. Now, you wouldn't think that's anything bad, would you? He's seen his father naked, doesn't know what to do, so he goes and tells his brothers. Then his brothers, Shem and Japheth, they take a robe, and holding it on their shoulders, they walked backward and covered their father's nakedness. Since their faces were turned the other way, they did not see their father's nakedness. So there's nothing wrong with that either. But look what Noah does when he wakes up. When Noah woke up from his wine and learned what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. Now, isn't that son unusual? Canaan is not even there. So we've got three times here we've mentioned Canaan. In verse 18, it said, Ham, the father of Canaan. And then later we have Ham is the father of Canaan. And now... We've got Canaan is to be cursed, and he was not even there. Not only that, what did Ham do that was wrong? All he did was walk by his father and see him there in his nakedness and drunk. This is kind of like reminds me of Adam and Eve when they sinned. Adam said, my wife made me do it. The wife said, the snake made me do it. And the snake, poor, he, he, he didn't have anybody to blame. So here we've got Noah, and he looks like the only one that's done anything wrong, but he's blaming somebody else. And what a blame he puts on him. He said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves shall he be to his brothers. Why should he be a slave to his brothers? And then he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Yeah, now Shem is going to be blessed 
while Canaan is cursed. And then it says in verse 26, let Canaan be his slave. What has Canaan done? He's not, he wasn't even there. Then it says, may God expand Japheth and may he dwell among the tents of Shem. Canaan here is prefiguring the sexual misconduct of the people of Canaan. This is this name Canaan goes from being cursed for doing nothing wrong to being slaves of the people that are going to be there when the Israelites come in. Now, what do you mean by it was a prefiguration of sexual sins of Canaan? What sexual sins of Canaan? Canaanites were not of the pure blood that the Israelites were. The Canaanites could not marry, or the, the Israelites would not marry with any Canaanite women. If they did, it was called a sexual sin because they were marrying people that were not of uh, not of their purity. So in verse 24, it says, When Noah woke up from his wine and learned what his youngest son had done to him. Some scholars have other arguments that Canaan didn't just see Noah naked, that somehow Canaan did something to Noah. And verse 24 seems to support that when it says when he learned what his youngest son had done to him. Yes, and and I've read where it's too difficult to understand that all he did was see his father naked and then go uh, tell his brothers. Like you said, the scholars would say he must have done something else. When you get to verse 28, this has nothing to do with that story that we just heard. This is what we call what the redactor puts in to carry it from one story to the next. He says here, Noah lived 350 years after the flood. The whole lifetime of Noah was 950 years, and then he died. Now, that was to tie in, uh, going here from his sons to his grandsons. In chapter 10, we have still the redactor. He says, these are the descendants of Noah's sons. And the descendants of Noah's sons are here listed as Shem, Ham and Japheth again, to whom children were born after the flood. You might notice this. In chapter 1, it says his sons were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. But look when this lists the descendants of the second time, it says the descendants of Japheth. He puts Japheth first and not Shem first. And there's a, a reason for that. Hey, Father Fred, I hate to cut you off, but we're near the end of our time. And I think this is a good stopping place. So next time we'll start again on chapter 10 of Genesis. That sounds good, George. Alrighty. Talk to you next time. God bless.